Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the ETPHD team podcast, episode number 191 with myself and Steph. Hi, Steph, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. (laughs) Anna, how are you? I am. I'm going to say fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Good edging into your last few days of your 20s oh, I know I, w- I w- last week I was so excited and then this week I'm like very deeply reflective like oh my god this is it <laughs> yeah I mean wait till you edge past 35 and then th- that like that's a whole <laughs> other different ball game um it's great what what have people said about 30s is it generally positive or is it like oh it's all downhill <laughs> Oh no, it's generally positive. I'm very much looking forward to it once I've kind of gotten over the <laughs> adult yeah. now. Yeah, mm. no, you, that that doesn't happen when you turn 30. It doesn't happen. Okay, good. good. <laughs> Have you got plans on, is it Sunday? It's your birthday. It is on Sunday, but I, because I'm away this weekend just for a nice little trip out. And then next weekend, I'm attempting rollerblading and crazy golf. <laughs> so. Oh my God, I love rollerblading. I haven't done it in like 20 something 25 years let's say so are you doing it in a safe space or are you just going out like safe space safe space oh gosh good luck it's fun right when I went last time it took me like 25 minutes to get out of the car because I sat in the car and there was kids skating around and it was just at the beach there was kids skating around and I was so embarrassed because I knew that I was rubbish that I waited until they'd gone and they were about (laughs) (laughs) that's your 30s okay cool (laughs) (laughs) um okay let's get on with the questions Steph do you want to go first yeah uh okay any tips for going on holiday to Italy of all places whilst in a fat loss phase oh oh my tip would be but depends how long it depends how long you're away for if you're away for a week I would say let's just look for rough maintenance and enjoy pasta and pizza and red wine and then come back to and even realistically like being objective about how many additional calories you'd have to eat in a surplus to actually gain a significant amount of weight is really helpful like it's more than so if you're in a deficit right now add on say 300 or something to get you into to a maintenance part phase and then add on another two or 300 to be in a slight surplus even if you did that every single day you still wouldn't even you would gain more than half a kilo on the scales but you wouldn't gain more than half a kilo of body fat like it's just you would just see that weight fluctuation so I think just keep in mind I know it's hard to be objective about these things but keep in mind that realistically if you look at the course of the next three months you're still going to be in a deficit even if you're in a surplus for a week when you're in Italy and I think having that mindset means that you don't go in thinking like head in like the fuck it bucket kind of I may as well just eat everything in sight because realistically that's not what I'm saying at all but you can certainly eat pizza and wine and pasta and not gain a significant amount of weight I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly kind of what I said to her <laughs> so I know this is a podcast question but I'm gonna get involved because it's me 
and this is what I suggest and it's, it literally was that so yeah so that's, that's great <laughs> and, and also it's Italy like the food is so good you don't want to come back and be like oh I wish I'd just allowed myself to have a pizza that night mm-hmm. that would be the same well for me anyway <laughs> uh, maybe not you um okay Anna question um what are your thoughts on eating later in the day to reduce the window of food consumption to help with fat loss goals so this is a client who doesn't really struggle with with overeating Mm, my thoughts are yeah I think important disclaimer if you struggle with overeating then definitely don't do that um but this person doesn't um my thoughts are if I'm coming at this from like a super healthful evidence-based scope of like what the best thing to do is if if you were if I was one of those people that went on podcasts and said like oh, the research says you have to be very specific um I would say don't do it and I'd say if you were to do anything at all I would um move your fasting window so to speak later in the day and your meals earlier in the day because two reasons for that the first reason is there's some really cool evidence that shows that if you have more of your calories earlier in the day, then your hunger is better regulated and you're less hungry through the rest of the day. Um, and if you're less hungry, you're less food preoccupied, you've probably got more energy. Um, it's just generally more enjoyable, right? But the other reason is because of some changes we get like physiologically in response to like certain times of day. So we're less insulin sensitive later in the day. So we have it's not insulin resistance but we're less sensitive we're less sensitive later in the day we have reduced gastric emptying later in the day and all of these things slightly and I mean very slightly shift the way that we metabolize food but if you're exercising in the day, like later in the day then it probably doesn't make as much of a difference especially with insulin sensitivity because that exercise increases your insulin sensitivity but I'm always thinking about now how do we frame nutrition and training to support health as opposed to just body composition and health is quality of life health is cognitive function and all of these things and so I would I would generally avoid it but I don't know I don't know if you guys have ever had clients intermittent fast I have had a couple of clients that have done intermittent fast and that type of thing before or time restricted feeding rather um like that before and and enjoyed it and if it works for you then there's no like like it's not like a big red like definitely don't do it unless Mm -hmm. you're overeating obviously yeah I feel like with people that I've worked with that have had that have uh, done that intermittent fasting it's something that they've not been able to sustain because essentially it's not something they want to do so I don't advise it in that way but yeah it's not like a massive like red flag Mm. I just know I couldn't do it that's for sure (laughs) I'm always really mindful of that like okay well just because I wouldn't like it doesn't mean that someone else wouldn't like it and so you always have to be like but yeah no same I wouldn't like it either but it is cool because I de- like that and that research around eating earlier in the day for various reasons has only really come more prevalent or more to light in the last year or two and I've definitely noticed it in myself where I'm like mindful of trying to have bigger breakfasts and stuff like that especially on days that I don't train and because I just I think framing anything and framing anything you do nutrition wise in a healthful way can be quite empowering rather than it takes you away from that ex- like that exclusion restrictive type of framing um okay um what are the common struggles when learning intuitive eating protocols and how to overcome them Mm. 
where where do where do we start <laughs> no i think no i genuinely i think different people will struggle with different things won't they depending on background depending on experience and i think as well you can like I, like we've we've all talked about it as well how like we all have healthy quote-unquote relationships with food but even now there'll be times where you're like oh that's a food rule that's like poked its head up and obviously part of intuitive eating is is challenging the well it, i mean we we all do is challenge challenge the the rules and the, what do they call it food police don't they mm-hmm. um and so in in that respect i think that the process of intuitive eating there's still always going to be those little challenges that i mean they become easier to overcome but they they just still crop up every now and again yeah we we weirdly i was just looking we did us they did a podcast on 17th of february episode number 91 um called adhd and other challenges to eating intuitively and i know this person will appreciate all of the inclusion of that stuff um so it was still just a q a podcast but i would listen to that one um and that might be a podcast that we do in the future um i would say it's this need to try and be an intuitive eater like trying to fit some sort of mold like when we when we talk about eating intuitively we never say you're in, you're doing intuitive eating because again it's just stupid nomenclature stuff but intuitive eating is like this rigid well it's not but it's like the specific paradigm right of 10 principles core constructs and it's it's quite um it's usually done with an intuitive eating practitioner who walks you through that it's anti-diet um it's weight neutral the what, what we do is support people to eat without tracking their calories and we use a lot of the principles um, from that but it's not quote unquote like textbook intuitive eating and I think sometimes people want to be like an intuitive eater so they think Mm -hmm. that they have to do everything right and so they think that they have to do like x y and z like no food rules never diet again all these things and I think that can be a bit of a stumbling block because realistically it's not super complex it's just eating without tracking but incorporating all of the principles that we talk about like food neutrality and like you said Anna like teaching the food police and um mindfulness and emotional regulation and eating for health it's all of those things so it's really asking the question of what does someone struggle with when it comes to eating healthily because that's really what we do in terms of intuitive mm. eating so to speak yeah as well as I was thinking when you're talking that you know like I always talk about like the most optimal choice and that is really subjective because I work with like you know for example like a a a songwriter that works on tour and they're in a hotel room and they haven't got access to you know vegetables and protein on their plate that night so what's the most optimal choice well first of all it's eating it's not restricting but I think that's it's learning again this is why one-to-one coaching is brilliant because you learn what's optimal for you and learn how to adapt and that psychological flexibility which is you know healthy and it takes you through on holiday takes you through an average week at home and all of that um but yeah I I agree some people tend to attach like a bit of an identity on a way of eating like a a nutrition strategy um which I'm quite mindful of when I work with people Mm. such a good point um Anna is it me again sorry I'm off the ball it's you sorry Um, (laughs) sorry it's okay. I don't mind. Um, okay. Well, this is the one. This has probably already been asked, but can certain foods affect your mental health? For example, trigger anxiety. Hmm. 
in short, no. What I think is really interesting is like the gut brain axis and how the link between your gut microbiome and your mood and your and potentially your mental health. There's some cool research around, for example, um, Mediterranean diet and depression. And um, so I think there is not that specific food can cause mental illness or disturbances in your mental health. And I think that's really important to know because with mental health stuff, it's not something that you've chosen to do. It's not because you've eaten quote unquote badly or I don't know any decisions you've made that's, that makes you have mental health struggles. It's not like a blame thing. Um, and so I'm really mindful of thinking, well, if you just didn't eat pizza, then you wouldn't have depression. Like that's ludicrous. Um, but again, if someone said to me, how can I support my mental health with my nutrition? Like specifically nutrition, I would say, let's support your gut health. And that's not by taking loads of supplements and stuff like that. As you guys obviously know, it's eating a like at least 30 grams of fiber a day, eating a variety of plant-based foods, managing your stress levels, staying hydrated, moving regularly, exercising, um, potentially including some fermented foods in there. Um I've definitely missed something. Can't think what it is. Um, but do like supporting your health in that way. And then potentially the impact that might have on your gut brain axis. And again, the research around Mediterranean style diets, which is basically a diet that, or a diet type that um, encourages all of those things that I was just saying. It's really, really interesting. But a specific food is not going to like eat. The one thing I would say actually, and not that any of you two can definitely not relate to this, is caffeine. Um, <laughs> oh, like, I drink my coffee. Cheers <laughs> to anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the decaf it's only 8am though I'm quite proud um yeah, but obviously if you've got underlying anxiety and then you drink coffee mm. that's, that's potentially not great because of the impact it has on like your physiology and like your increase in heart rate increased stress hormone response etc that can slightly exacerbate things and alcohol just okay. if anyone's interested alcohol can also have that effect yes <laughs> yeah I forgot about that one yeah, yeah that's it I think um how would you recommend starting to challenge the perfectionist side of me mm, my favorite people yeah <laughs> shall I just be quiet and let you two crack on or <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I've, I've actually had this chat with someone that uh, is coming on board joining us um with uh, like our process kind of explain to them that you know it's we we welcome the mess we welcome the imperfection but I know how hard that is as a you know recovering perfectionist and it's not a way to kind of you know lower your standards but what I how I how I reframe it okay is imperfect action creates more action than perfection ever will so you probably will get to goal quicker okay listen now (laughs) goal quicker if you were a little bit imperfect from time to time because this like unrelenting standards is, you know, you're going to be on or you're going to be off. And this this process definitely is not on or off. It's a way that we incorporate helpful strategies aligned with your life so you can maintain them after coaching. So, yeah, that's how I'd reframe it is actually is stopping you from achieving your goals. There we go. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, not at all attacked. Thanks, definitely. <laughs> that was for myself. I, I say that to myself. <laughs> um, in terms of 
challenging it uh i know we've spoken about this before but it i think for me it's picking that one thing like well one thing we know there's many things that you will try to do perfect because it infiltrates so many areas of life um but yeah choosing something to purposefully do imperfectly um and getting comfortable with the imperfect yeah I always use the thing that the one that you said Anna years ago about like just challenge yourself to self to show up late to your friends five for five minutes and just see what happens and whenever I tell people to do that like that's just rude I'm like just try it nothing actually yeah then it backfires and they will start showing up even later so I'm still the only one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not ideal but yeah just like little things of like or say you're doing say you have like an eight thousand step a day target can you do like seven thousand nine hundred and ninety one and like stupid little things like that um for some reason I just looked at my notes um I've got Oh, shockingly I've got um, Brene Brown quotes um, just happened to be on my notes about perfectionism it's weird um, <laughs> so so we're ready right she says and this is Atlas of, the Heart, Atlas of the Heart it may seem counterintuitive but one of the biggest barriers to working towards mastery is perfectionism in our leadership research we've learned that achieving mastery requires curiosity and viewing mistakes and failures as opportunities for learning perfectionism kills curiosity by telling us that we have to know everything or we risk looking less than perfectionism tells us that our mistakes and failures are personal defects so we either avoid trying new things or we barely recover every time and we inevitably fall short she also says which is sort of perfectionism there are too many people in the world today who decide to live disappointed rather than risk feeling disappointment and i just think i like that one a lot i like that one a lot um sorry go ahead I was going to say, I remember when we have talked about this before, you and a client being like, I mean, it's just picked it apart and I can't get over the fact because it was um, perfection is a perception. And she was like, so why am I even trying? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. What that was, was like perfectionism is such a perception of like my idea of perfect is totally different to what your idea of perfect is and your and Anna's idea of perfect is. And then it's like, well, then if I'm trying to be perfect I'm only perfect for myself I'm not perfect for anyone else and, that, and actually my version of perfect is probably imperfect to you so you, you, it's just an impossible feat to accomplish mm-hmm. so you just waste so much of your life trying to do it overcoming perfectionism is one of the best things you can do if you're trying to grow a business or you're trying to overcome like disordered relationship with food or literally anything I think I think if I um, listen to my perfectionist traits uh, before I came online as a coach, I wouldn't have started online coaching because I would never have thought I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You just, you just, where does it stop? Like no one, we're always like a constant work in progress. Let's be honest, but where does it stop for you then for you to actually go, Oh, I'm going to do it and just see what happens. And then something obviously good happens from it when you do do those things imperfectly <laughs> yeah sometimes I think just setting yourself like either challenges to be imperfect or setting yourself a deadline with something that you know you could spend ages doing but like you just have to do a deadline and then have an accountability for it so if you're working with Steph it's like right by next week I'm going to do x y or z and like physically knowing that you can't do something on time and something like that's sometimes something that we'll do together right if like one of you have a goal and I'm like okay let's put a deadline on it because I know otherwise you'll spend ages overthinking it and then want it to be perfect but it's like yeah, I know that. That. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, 
Weird. I just don't give you enough time to let it be perfect and then you can, and then you have no choice. I think that can be quite helpful. Yeah. Social media is a big one for that one as well. I think yeah. for me personally, it's like yeah. oh. it's literally the day is finishing and you've not posted or whatever. So you kind of have no choice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um is it me? I think so. This is a deep question. Are you ready for it? And I've given you no preparation. I actually haven't read it and gets on it either. So we're all in the same boat. Um what is your favorite question that someone has asked you? Mine is, do you think you've had the best day of your life yet? Oh, I love that. Oh no. I, I, probably... love, that. I, love, I love the question and I love that question. Do you think you've had the best day of your life yet? I I was on my little like two minute scroll. I say two minutes, it was definitely five. Um <laughs> I watched uh, a clip from the American office and it was, uh, how do you know? Oh, no, I wish there was a way of knowing you're in the best days of your lives before they're over. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but but that means you should just live every day in the chance that it might be the best day of your life, right? I mean, there's some days that are clearly not going to be the best days of your life. <laughs> Let's be real. But most days, or at least some days, if it has potential, embrace it. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like I don't know I need more time okay to answer the first question but to answer the second part of that, that question I don't think I've had I don't know what I guess it's subjective isn't it like your best day what does that even look like but I've definitely had really great days and I appreciate that but I don't know that's really god I really need to dig deep there <laughs> I'm not sure I don't think you've got any today I, not, I don't know either I don't know how I'm going to choose to say I haven't just because then that's much more of an exciting viewpoint but I don't know if that's actually true but because I've had some great days many great days um with memories as well again I'm going to totally do like a bodge job of this re-quoting somebody but memories become memories when you look back on a special moment but you don't in that moment you don't know it's a it's going to be a memory it's some it's along those lines um, and I was like, oh, ow. Like, so it does make you think, like, just really have those mindful moments. When my best friend got married this year, I just kept, like, grabbing her and saying, let's be having a mindful moment now. Because I wanted her to have, like, those moments where she'd be like, yeah, I'm really thinking about it. Because that's what everyone says about brides is that they don't really register the day very well. Um, and so I just wanted to be, like, have those mindful moments for myself on that day um, and then for her as well. And uh, And actually, she thanks me for it, so... Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what my favorite one is. I do like the question of, and now I'm going to butcher this because I've not like I've, I've written it a few times to people. But um, if you're in a position that you don't want to be in this time next year or in five years' time, how much longer are you going to spend on this? And I like that because it makes you kind of go like it's kind of an accountability question of like say it's like your relationship with food and you're in a situation you don't want to be in and you've been in the situation for a year six years 30 years like realistically how much longer are you going to spend on it what do you think is going to change and it's the same as like mm-hmm. bad relationships or anything why people just sit in them and then think that something miraculously is going to change and so it's like well how much longer are you going to spend on this every single day I just think I know this sounds really eerie, but like every single day is such a, I, I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth, but every day is like such yeah, a gift. Right? Every day is a gift and it's like, why are you throwing it away by 
by living in a cycle that doesn't fulfill you in some way so I quite like that question um and I sometimes will ask myself that question Mm. um I've just googled life-changing questions because I feel like that might be more productive than us just trying to think of our favorite ones (laughs) no offense to you two actually okay so what the first question here is where will I be in five years if I keep heading in this direction same sort of thing what Mm. if today was my what if today okay what if today was my last day is number two number three do I volunteer enough I kind of feel like mm, I quite like the idea I quite like the idea of like how have you contributed today or how have you contributed to the world today or something because that can be that's that's a nice question to ask yourself every day of like have I done one kind thing or mm. quite like that yeah um, one kind of thing that no one knows about is quite a good question because it's like you know it's is it is that altruism is that the yeah. meaning of altruism yeah sorry I feel yeah. like I'm pretty dim right now oh, no. <laughs> um, but I like that question yeah I like that yeah and that's all we've got so you're so welcome for those really deep and varied contributions to that question to my person who asked this question great question and maybe I'll come up with another one for us. <laughs> I think Anna you could do some journal prompts on these mm. just say I will I will I'll get on it don't worry guys be fine um Anna it's you okay <laughs> I, I don't even know delicious one let's go with it um let me just I can't I don't know why I can't scroll on my notes it's great um okay so the workmen were talking earlier this week about how one of them is on a diet of shakes but had a curry the night before they were using the good old terms like cheat meal I walked away after and realized I wasn't triggered or felt bad after it and thought oh that's interesting how I'm not triggered over men saying they're dieting but I am with women I'd love to know what you think about this I'm guessing it's because us women see each other see each other as a threat to one another whereas we see men differently that's such a good question I'm just nodding along because I think you're right diet right like realistically if you think about I don't know how old this person is but like so when I was younger the media even now to be fair but like it would be like think of x-factor judges it would be like Cheryl or Danny who's best dressed who's the skinniest or on like tv shows it was always like who's the pretty one and who's like we're as women it's the diet culture message is like always pitted women against each other um and so now as adults we have to like fight against that idea of like well if there's 10 women in the room it's not about who's the best woman it's about how can we collectively support each other and I would say there's again really cool evidence around um, feminism and activism and um, relationships food relationships with body and that people who tend to be more um what's the word like active and would identify as activists in some way tend to see like better relationships with themselves and with their bodies and I think that's probably got something to do with it of like you develop a mindset of empowerment and um, collaboration and community with other women mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like this kind of competition that you have with them and I'm sure this person the fact that you're even asking the question like means you're curious about it and I'm sure you're not looking at women thinking like she's an asshole but it's like so deep rooted of the messaging that we've had for so many years is who's the prettiest who's the skinniest who's the most successful who's like who's not married by the time they're 40 all of these things that it's it 
it's so like almost subconscious and so we have to kind of challenge it so I would I would and I've said this to a few of my clients before like I think it can be really good to start reading like some feminist literature or even just starting with blogs and podcasts um a really easy place to start is like the podcast the guilty feminist which is really funny and it's really light-hearted and it, and it talks about all the ways that we get it wrong basically but in a nice way um so I would I would look at that sort of stuff but I think you're totally right and it, it's not like a fault of ours it's just that that's just the way we, we've kind of been conditioned okay Seth um let me find it oh yeah uh, what are some common reasons that people struggle to sit or be in silence? I don't find this so much around food anymore. And I think I'm actually quite good at eating mindfully with no distractions, but I find myself always having podcasts on uh, when doing things like getting ready in the morning, cooking, cleaning or similar. Um, and sometimes wonder if I'm overwhelming my brain a bit with all this input. I do this all the time and I hate myself for it because I do it all the time. And I know like, I definitely do that. Um, do you guys do that? Are you quite good at it? Just being in silence. I'm quite. I'm getting getting good, hmm. getting good. Because I think there was, I don't know when it was, maybe maybe end of last summer. I was like, when I when I realised I was using a lot of distraction techniques, I was like, okay, let's uh, let's buckle down and, and sort this out now. So yeah, purpose purposeful walks without anything. Mm-hmm cleaning without anything not that I'm obsessive cleaner by any means but yeah no just just being getting back to being intentional with everything that you're doing and I think that's such a good point though in in that that you're not giving your brain that that time to just switch off and have a bit of a chill mm-hmm. and I guess like I was saying for me it's a distraction technique and it was because I didn't want to kind of sit with what was going on and I think for for many people as well, when they're, I don't know how new to this process this client is, but there's that level of disconnect. So kind of sitting and being in their body just feels so uncomfortable that they revert to keeping their mind busy. Mm-hmm. I think as well, we're, we're just in a society that we are like chronically distracted a lot of the time, like our phones are just there and we just can have that stimulation. But I find with myself that I notice when I'm, overstimulated it's almost like my my brain <laughs> rejects it by shutting off um, <laughs> not making any sense like when I'm on a podcast um but yeah I think for me it's something that I find hard but I also know I need it because I get um a lot of like I get sensory like overload like it could be like with noises it can also be <laughs> sounds like I'm not very tolerant but when people are eating loudly or tapping repetitively and I'm trying to do something like read or or like maybe I'm doing a check-in or something and I'm like oh I can't concentrate like it's something so I like to sit in sort of silence and and I actually thinking boredom is a luxury is something that is probably a good way to look at it being like oh it's good that I can sit and be bored right now but like you say sometimes we get we try to distract ourselves because there's other things going on which you know is another question in itself mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point I think um like I notice it when I'm when I'm overwhelmed or when I know that I'm avoiding thinking about something I notice that I'm like I'll put the tv on I'm like I don't even watch tv but it's just there it's for noise um I won't even shower without listening to a podcast or something like that. And then I'm like, look, there's a reason that I'm doing it. And I like to think, I like to use it as a bit of a um, sign of like, oh, there's something maybe that you're not 
acknowledging or you're not vocalizing or something um so it's quite nice to to notice it like this person has done um Mm -hmm. and then being intentional with it is so important I think sometimes like you were saying about boredom stuff I think sometimes it's part of just feeling like you always have to be productive all the time so silence is can feel unproductive and whereas if you're even listening to music or a podcast or something it feels like you're doing something and that's probably why you're you don't struggle so much now with food a because you put the intention in in terms of eating mindfully but b you're still doing something so like you still have that that feeling of productivity because you're you're eating a meal like it's time to eat a meal whereas doing other things you might not necessarily have that all that being said, even if you're listening, like, I think there's a difference between that and then, like, nobody wants to clean without music or a podcast. Like, that's just boring mm. shit. Like, that's that's what probably why you're listening to stuff then. But if it's, like, you can't literally sit for more than five minutes without sound, then it's something to get you, yeah. I think. I, I found as well with, like, sleep hygiene, and a good probably time to practice it is before you go to bed. If you're someone that like, obviously likes to read, that's great, but some people aren't those types of people and they want to look on their phone. But if you're, like, looking and scrolling until you literally fall asleep, it's probably because you don't want to allow your brain to kind of cool off and then probably start thinking about things. So it's probably a good time to try it out at bedtime if you're not somebody that's got, like, a, you know, a quote-unquote wonderful nighttime routine. Um because I found that myself, I'd be like scrolling, like, why am I doing that? Ah, oh, interesting. There's a lot going on this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can call yourself out on it. Yeah. Airplane mode in the bedroom is one of the best things ever. Mm. Like so because I don't know about you guys, like I need it for my alarm, I need it for um time and stuff, but I know that and my meditation and stuff, and I'll just download meditations before I go to bed. But I know that like, especially being on a different time zone, if I don't have my phone on airplane mode and I wake up like if I forget. And then I wake up and then it's like, the group chat has 422 messages. <laughs> I'm like, this is just too much. It's 7 a.m. and I can't actually go. But it's, it automatically stops you from doing those things before you go to bed too. Definitely. Um, okay. Is it normal? I know you love these. Is it normal for it to feel uncomfortable when you feel like the habits you've been working on your on with your coach have become part of your daily life and part of who you are? As in... I am starting to feel fixed, but that almost feels like it shouldn't be happening as in some sort of self-sabotage. I have dieted on so many crazy diets for so long that it feels strange for this to feel life-changing rather than short-term and that I won't be hopping onto the next fad diet. I hope this makes some sort of sense, right? You get a slap on the wrist for (laughs) adding that at the end of your question. Um, But yeah, end of question. I think that's like really good feedback. Because I think this is the whole point of of the process is that these things, obviously they require a lot of intentional effort and it will feel a bit challenging at the start, especially, but also challenging throughout different periods of your life. But essentially you're, you're finding something that does align with you and the feedback of it's starting to feel, I can't remember what she said, easier or something. Um, I think that is good feedback, but it's good to recognise um like you've she's obviously thought about it but I wouldn't um think like oh because that happened in the past then this is going to happen again like you're in a completely different process I assume um so you know the change that you've made have been your coach would have had that long-term goal in mind for you as well so it it will be able you'll be able to maintain it I think but yeah I was I'm about to say does that make sense but I'm sorry I'm gonna get a slap on the wrist from Amelia so (laughs) Yeah, I think like the amount of whenever it comes up, you know, when clients are 
if they're in a similar place where things are feeling natural and there's yeah but what if I go back or things come up like holidays or meals out and they're like but what if overeating creeps in and yeah but you've done all of the work and you're not that person anymore and I think being able to separate yourself from previous experiences and being like yeah I, I did used to kind of hop on and off diets and I might have struggled here and there with that but look at all the evidence now that I can do all of this and it feels so effortless like that's incredible and I mean I don't want to don't want to sound disheartening but yeah sure there might be challenges there might be times where things creep in and you go okay well what have I got in my toolbox to help me because I might have kind of let things slide a little bit for whatever reason and that's okay yeah, I think viewing it as like not, a, it's not, it's not going to be self-sabotage if those times happen. Like we've all spoken openly about times that like we might emotionally eat or, you know, we struggle with something else and that's not self-sabotage. That's just your body being like, oh, tune into it. There's something going on. Like, like I was just saying with the distraction stuff, if I'm distracting myself all the time, that's my body saying like, okay, like listen to what it is that's going on that you're ignoring and it's the same with the food stuff like that will happen a lot but I think sometimes we get so fixed in an identity of um like I am just an emotional eater or I am just a binge eater or I am somebody who chronically diets or whatever even if we don't say it like that we we attach ourselves to that and then when that becomes challenged it is one of the reasons why people quote-unquote self-sabotage of like you feel like you're losing who you are and it's really scary and so often we'll go to what's comfortable rather than what's right and so we like to just feel comfortable and and so we do fall back into old habits sometimes but so I think recognizing that that wasn't who you were all of those behaviors and all of those dysfunctional habits were manifestations of like your feelings at the time but they're not like you they're not like attached to you they're just things that can change and now you have new habits that serve you in a way that like supports you a lot more because who you are now because you're so much better like more regulated you're more um, educated you're more embodied all of these things um and trusting that that is that's who you are we again I think it's partly partly a woman thing but I think it's everyone like we would much rather be self-deprecating and it's much easier to think of ourselves as less than rather than it is to think of us ourselves as actually oh I've got my shit together I don't really know what that feels like but in general like we like to think it's much easier to think of ourselves as like doing something wrong rather than being like you know what like maybe I am this person that's got their shit together like that could well be me I think that's a British thing as well you know like self-deprecating humor like I totally think that's so true like Americans I just think god you're awesome to have that like they do they just speak in a different way like I love it but if I was to walk around I always say walking around like a Leo if anyone's in horoscopes and they all know exactly what I mean those Leos out there let's walk around with this confidence I want a bit of that please <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine how different life would be if you were someone that was just naturally super confident and like mm. I just can't imagine no, no. <laughs> but it would be so much less fun because you know like we have to struggle every day to just <laughs> 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 Um, okay, moving on, Anna. Um, okay, sim similar theme. I wonder if I overeat because being slim doesn't feel safe. 
Maybe I've been avoiding a relationship or pursuing the career of my dreams because I'm scared of failing and getting hurt. So I overeat because I won't pursue those things in a heavier body. Any tips to remove subconscious weight loss blockers? Oh, yeah, that's perfectly timed, isn't it? That's exactly what we were just talking about. Um, I mean, I think it, de- it definitely happens for sure. I'm just <laughs> trying to get my words out. It definitely does happen and it's usually when we've again identified with this with being in a larger body or or struggling with our habits and um overeating is such an interesting one because it really does disconnect us from people like on a friday night if you're somebody who overeats and friday night's like one of those nights that you you fall into the habit of overeating and because of the feelings of comfort that it gives you you might not go on a date or you might not go meet your friends because you want that shadow comfort of overeating and so you you fall into that disconnect cycle of like well I'm just not going to go and I'm going to overeat and then that stops you from connecting with other people and potentially meeting someone when you're out and it de- like it definitely does hinder it I think the key really is doing those things during the process rather than waiting until the end to do those things because if you're saying when I've stopped overeating and when I've lost weight then I'm going to start dating and all of these things one thing is like dating is not just like you just go on a dating app and then within a week you found someone that you want to date and then you date and then you get married and have babies like a conversation I was having with one of my friends about this recently they were like oh I've I've been on like two dates and um I didn't like them or whatever and they were frustrated and it's like because they've just started being intentional with dating and I was like yeah but you probably have to do that for a hundred times longer than you think that you're gonna have to do that until you find somebody that you actually might want to date more than like one time. Like that's just, I say that like that's what I would do. We all know that's not like the level of effort that I generally would put in. But like on paper, that's the value. Um, so I think like doing it starting now of like, okay, well, if, if I want to do those things, I know that I'm in a different body than what I would like, but not falling into what we call like the arrivals fallacy of when I do that, then I'll be happy. When I get to that point, then I'll start dating because realistically you're you're right. And what will probably happen is you will fall into that comfort, self-sabotage. Like the idea of dating is terrifying. Like I don't think that ever really goes away. And I think that the idea of maybe going for a new job is terrifying. And on the flip side of that, some people maybe are have met their partners when they are in a larger body or when they um, were struggling with their mental health or whatever it is have met their partners or got their job or made like connections with other people who struggle with the same things at that point and so then when that starts to change you worry that you're going to disconnect from these people and lose them so again you can find yourself falling backwards because it feels safer because you build those connections so it can be either way so I think it's really about one is getting comfortable with who you are and recognize it like dieting and uh, sorry dating and friendships and stuff and jobs none of that is to do with your body and it's all to do with people people love you for your soul and your your personality and so I think one thing is like really developing that side of things and letting your true self come out and finding joy and like expression of who you are all of those things is really important but then I also think actually doing the things now rather than wait until the end as scary as it is and you might think well I'm not going to find somebody that I want to be with whilst I'm doing this work well that's fine you're weeding through some of the crap so that when you are in a place that you feel like you're more ready then you'll then you've kind of got rid of those ones out of the way I was talking to a client earlier uh who was saying 
like she she'd come to the realization that she'd been putting like x y and z off because she was waiting for things to be perfect whether it was her job whether it was her body like and it was like some of them are are like quite big life decisions but some of them are really trivial and it is like you say like why why are we putting these things off when when we could be like having a lot of fun and and finding new friends finding new lovers is that the word <laughs> partners <laughs> that's how detached you are from the dating game you don't even know you well yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's right but again though right every day is a gift every day is a gift maybe that should be the title no um Steph question okay uh any advice on how to be more aware of the snack grab snack grab oh yeah snack grab lots of tasty snacks <laughs> in the staff room easy access wink and how to try and reduce this habit not necessarily from hunger but maybe some fear of pending hunger I've often eaten them before I've even considered it sorry I need to reread these questions before I read them God. Yeah, that's, that's fine that's clear <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what was it? Steph, a snack grab? <laughs> snack grab. I'm going to take that, make a post out of it. <laughs> um, I like just implementation intentions for this, like if then strategies or having alternatives. So if you're always snack in the snack room, snack room, staff room, gosh. Um, <laughs> you're on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then have an alternative like bring your own snacks or have some like grapes in the fridge or lots of hot drinks like I used to like so when I was lecturing I would be on prep a lot of the time um and the staff room I was in nutrition department so there was always cooking downstairs students were always baking bread and stuff it was horrific but there would always be stuff in the staff room and obviously as a bodybuilder so I had like discipline of like someone that was deranged um but there would always be stuff in there and so I would just always have like peppermint and licorice puckety which is just fantastic or like low calorie hot chocolate or fruit or something that should you want to snack you've got an alternative because it's much easier to have an alternative than it is not have anything whatsoever um so something really practical could be helpful or setting yourself a time of like well say there's cake in there if I still want it in half an hour once I've done this bit of work then I then I'll allow myself to have it and I obviously don't know what the goals are if your goals are fat loss obviously the replacement is slightly more important if you're working on your relationship with food then challenge yourself as to why you shouldn't allow yourself those things if it's something that you really want um but I was assuming fat loss which is bad for me um but then I would also say and you will be doing this with Steph anyways like working on your relationship with hunger like what do you think is going to happen by getting hungry what your like what are your associations with hunger because realistically a bit of hunger is is absolutely fine but again if you're working on your relationship with food you don't like the fear of hunger I totally understand because it often leads to overeating and that's why you have that fear of hunger and having snacks and stuff is actually a really good thing because you don't want to get too hung too hungry and then be mindlessly overeating later mm. I was going to say as well, from like another practical point of view, um, to have like, I don't know, even if it's like an apple and then you've, you, there's some chocolates in that staff room, but allowing yourself to have that chocolate, but also have an apple as well, like that can then bring your hunger down a little bit and it can make you a bit more, you know, I guess mindful when you're thinking about, um, do I need this? Do I want that? Um, just something like that can can be quite good as well. That's a, such a good point because that's just like inclusive nutrition, right? If you want something, how can you make it more of a quote unquote balanced meal? 
I think one of the most life-changing things that some of my clients are like, is like, oh, I've realized if I have um, a piece of cake and then a protein shake, it's just like a normal afternoon snack and then I can crack on with my life. And it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. who knew? Who knew? Mm -hmm. Um, I was trying, I was pushing, (laughs) wasn't pushing. That's not obviously not what I do, but we were talking, there was a client that was like, (laughs) we're we're still quite early on kind of understanding when it's, when it's, like physical hunger when there's something else it's boredom but she's like how do I like I really want ice cream and I was like like you were saying okay well how can we make it something that's really gonna like satisfy you and satiate you and I was like would some fruit with that help I was like please don't hate me for the suggestion I was like, maybe some nuts I don't know <laughs> ice cream and nuts is a good combo mm. Mm. I love it and I like it with berries so hate me I don't care no, I'm <laughs> that one Sorry. Um oh maple pecan ice cream. That's what I really want. Uh, is that what it's called? You know the one that's got the ice cream that's got like or is it yeah, pecans in it. Caramel. Oh, the, um yeah. Who does a really nice one? Is it Oppo do a really nice one? Something like I don't know, but I want it. The ice cream here is so good. The other night I had one and it had um like Oreos and and cookie dough in it, and but the ice cream was really good. And then I went to an ice cream shop with my friend and had um goat's cheese and cherry ice cream which was amazing mm-hmm. and this cake cake one and then the other time I went to gelato place and I got mascarpone and matcha ice cream and oh, I can't remember the other one anyway the ice cream here is so good <laughs> matcha <laughs> ice cream yeah matcha and mascarpone it was amazing that was like gelato wow. Mm. wow was it green the matcha it was great wow. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. Is it my question? Well, George's question. What's your favourite soup? I mean, it's not George's question, but... <laughs> Steph's off. <laughs> I, really, I really struggle with this question. <laughs> because I feel like... I get attacked every time I go on the podcast. I don't have anything to offer. I don't like soup, okay? <laughs> I feel I feel inadequate. So I'm gonna mute myself. There we go. <laughs> okay. Steph doesn't have a contribution to this question. Anna's actually crying in her in her office, so that's great. <laughs> Um, we like a diverse question. We love a diverse question. Um, straight to the point. Um, my favorite soup <laughs> is mm, mm, tomato soup. Same. <laughs> Anna what's your favorite um yeah same same or a pea I do like pea (laughs) pea soup okay great um Anna question okay uh is there any more exercises I can do for self-worth Mm-hmm. 
I obviously don't know the work that you've done so far in terms of developing your self-worth, right? But I don't really think there's a certain exercise to do. It's not really like a tick box. I've done this worksheet and now I feel like I'm more worthy or anything like that. I don't think that that's super, like that's not really feasible or possible. I think... I think self-worth comes from, the idea is obviously that you're worthy as you are without achieving, without anything else. Um, I think the best thing for self-worth often is age and time, which is a, a useless um, piece of advice. Get older and give it time. But I do think that is one thing. Um, I think really journaling, obviously, Anna, you've got, like the, all the ultimate journal prompts and I'm sure you've got someone's self-worth and I think it's really just about like questioning yourself of like why do I feel like I need to do x to be enough like mm-hmm. and getting curious about where it's come from so if it's like being in a smaller body maybe it came from one time I don't know a significant older person in your life saying um you should probably do this like you should probably start going to the gym or you should probably lose weight or comment on your body and then you attach and this your your inherent need to be loved or yet worthiness to then being in a smaller body because when you're younger you internalize a lot of these things and so I think sometimes it's awareness of like recognizing maybe where that came from um and it's usually more than just diet culture usually there's something else going on there and then once you've got the awareness you can then challenge it of like oh I noticed that my drive to diet is this true for now or is this like an old narrative coming up and it's the same for people like the classic example is um people pts who we work with a lot of pts who then turn to overworking once they've restored their relationship with food they turn to overworking because they feel like they need to be doing something to make them feel enough and it's like just getting curious about your habits and your behaviors and then coming like looking at a place of like is this required or is this am I looking for something and then I really just think it's about being accountable to like saying right I'm going to challenge myself to take a day off or I'm going to challenge myself to not diet or whatever it is and then and still find joy and still connect with people and be like oh like my life is still exactly the same and I haven't worked seven days a week this week and I think it's more just about challenging yourself Mm. I was just to add to that the only thing I can think of and I think of I read into it a little bit more about like telling the truth more. I know that sounds a bit silly because it's like, well, obviously we all hope that we all tell the truth, but like telling the truth to yourself. So I had a check-in today with a client that wanted to, um, well, she's she's the client that's actually going to Italy and she feels a little bit like she doesn't know if she can have another plan of action with her friends. Um, basically, she just wants to do something solo. Um, but she was saying, how do I word that to them without it sounding like, you know, a bit selfish and I thought well what who what need are you trying to meet there like you're trying to constantly meet their sort of needs and and you know I, I guess kind of like people pleasing and I think just go well what what do I need what would I benefit from holiday if I need to do that whether that's going to the gym whether that's I don't know a little solo trip yourself um and just like confirming that truth I think that I, it's quite hard to kind of make that measurable and actionable but just those little things of being like just speaking your truth a bit more I think that can really help with your self-worth I love that because it's just it's about just showing yourself that you're worthy of like as you are like your authentic self right Mm. and that comes with telling you I love that okay great questions Uh, keep them coming in thanks so much guys bye
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.